Welcome to Men Are Nuts, a podcast about mental health, emotional health, psychological health, physical health, awareness in men, women and society. First, it's starting with MAN, the acronym for Men Are Nuts. And we have a very special guest on the show for you today. She's all the way from Canada, snowy Canada, a place I've always wanted to go to, but I've always been a bit afraid of the, the snow that lands here. Can you introduce yourself? <laughs> Yeah, hi, my name is Megan. I am from Canada. Eh? I live in the GTA, Ontario, so that's the greater Toronto area. I'm 37 years old. I'm a mother of one daughter, and I'm recently separated from my husband. Um, I'm on here doing these podcasts to also reach out to, to people and try and help them through my story and help them in any way I can with regards to building them up, having a conversation, um, anything. And so I love to go on these platforms and have these discussions so we can make this more open and help one another. Fantastic introduction. I, I love that introduction. That's, um, yeah, I like that. Um, you're here to... Here to help. I'm I'm pleased to have you on to talk about your journey all the way from Canada. I've had somebody from Canada, a couple of people from Canada before. Um, in the is it the Rocky Mountains? The Rocky something. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. out in British Columbia. British Columbia, Rocky Mountains, or yeah. Alberta. Yeah. Um, yes. And um, Canada. I mean, it's always a place I've always wanted to. I wanted to. I want actually. I did want to live there at one stage. I did want to live there at one stage. Um, and then one and then one day I saw the snow and I thought, oh no. <laughs> I said, oh no. What that was I... summer, baby. <laughs> but I know, I've heard that Canada has, there's, obviously it's so big that there's going to be places where obviously there's, there's lots of sun and then obviously there's places where there's lots of snow. So let's tell us, tell us, tell the listeners about the snow and how much land's there. What's it like to live there? Well, living it, so it's actually a, a beautiful country and depending on where you go, the weather changes, which is fantastic. So um, I actually lived in British Columbia and where I lived there was a place called Qualicum Beach on Vancouver Island. Some people refer to it as Victoria Island. Um, and where I live, we really didn't get any snow. If we did, it was just kind of melted by the time it hit the ground. Now, if you went a 30-minute drive around the mountain to a place called um, Port Alberni, there would be snow there because you're driving into the mountain. So um, there's areas like that in British Columbia, which are really cool. You kind of have the best of both worlds if you want to do snow sports, which I'm not into, you may. Now, where I live, we get a lot of snow. We're in a snow belt, they call it. So we probably get how about up to just below your door handles I'll say on your car of snow we'll get um, we can get dumped with in one fall and and we have to shovel that so we do get a lot of snow up here um, and how, so it's how, great how, how for the children how do you cope with it how do you I mean probably you've been used to it over the years but how do you manage to cope with it coming down at, all at once and that high um so everybody has different ways of coping. My way is to not shovel the driveway unless it's completely necessary. Right. I like people to just drive over it enough that it packs it down. Right, okay. um, but uh, right when there's that much snow, it, it is a little um, gets a little crazy around here. A lot of sliding, people driving because the plows 
go on main roads, so any side roads are not plowed, which means that all the snow that has fallen has only been um, driven over by people, which has compacted down. So um, it uh, it does get very interesting. I'll say if you ever come here, I learned one lesson the hard way. If it is snowing, you do not break while going around a bend. Yeah. Because I did a 360. Yeah. Yeah. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. So thankfully nothing happened. I just ended up on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> the wrong way. Um, but it is a beautiful country. The seasons that we have are fantastic. The colors that we get to see. Um, and the variety we have here of different ethnicities ethnicities and cultures is amazing too I love it I love Canada the country I live in though I do think mental health issues as around the whole world is a huge issue here Um, and I do believe in my um, I feel like in regards to men I do feel like they have a a bigger stigma with mental health coming out with their um, and as well as understanding within themselves because over the years, the way that, um, like I'm 37, so in the past generations and hopefully things are changing, like men didn't have feelings the same. So then for them to recognize these, to then go get help is a totally different um, avenue. I do find a lot of the time that it ends up being in the lap of someone that they love that has to say, hey, like you have these issues going on. And then they need to be able to recognize that to get help um, within themselves. So for me, a huge issue is I just separated from my ex-husband because of mental health issues. Um, We were together for 14 years and married for nine and we had had a daughter. And he had um, a lot of mental health issues that went back to trauma, called childhood trauma which then, as um, you know, and a lot of people may not know, but it does affect your life in the long term as much as people think it doesn't. Things you do are because of that. Um, so and just in that avenue recently with mental health in my life, I tried for years to get my husband help um, because I didn't think that he knew how because he was the man. Like, he just needed my help. Like... I was never trying to change my husband. I was trying to help him. So if I got him a psychologist, if I got him a psychiatrist, if I got him a therapist, medicine, um, meditation, affirmations, if I did all of these things for him, then I was helping his mental health and then everything would be okay. But that's just not how it works. Because Michael wasn't ready. Oh, so he was... Did he, at any point, did he actually believe it to be help or was he just saying, you know, you're doing this not to, you're doing this to try and change me or anything like that? What, you know, was he taking it on board or was it just, you know, what what was, think, what was his reaction to you helping him? Having mental health issues, it varied. It varied from it's my fault and I'm a B to he does need help and thank you for trying to help me because he wants change so again it like varies depending on what his mood was at the time did he hate me at the time and he wanted help or um or sorry he didn't want to help and he was fine and everything was my fault or did he 
want help at the moment. And so he would pretend he, he would, sorry, he would want my help, but due to his mental health issues, he, he didn't follow through. And, and so it's a, it's a circle you get in, in a relationship, especially when you love someone trying to help them with their mental health issues. And, and I say helping because I thought I was helping, but I was just trying to change him. Because yeah. he has mental health issues. Did he, did he... Never. Did he recognize... Did he recognize... Or did you recognize that? that and at a certain point... Obviously, you know, obviously, he's a, he's a man, he's married to him. But did you recognize that <laughs> at some point that he's a man and he maybe don't want to talk about it or, or you know he, the way he would deal with it would probably be different from you and then were you were you trying to help him along with that as well yeah like I try and, and yeah like get him to open up as to like how and this is the thing even is like okay just in his instance just helping him out because I do find a lot of men um, have a hard time navigating online and then and finding information for themselves because they don't want a phone or a lot of times with mental health issues they have anxiety already and so there's a lot of other things that come along with asking for help other than just vocalizing it to a person um, and so I, I, I help with a lot of that and I thought that he wanted what I wanted and I think he did but I don't think he's ready like he can't he's not ready to do the work yeah. on himself and he's not fully there to admit it yeah and, do you, and and no matter like no matter how many times you say it actions speak louder than words right yeah, yeah. and when uh, we'll talk we'll talk about that in, in, in a theme because i mean this is i think we i think it's interesting to talk about you know where at what point did we you know did he find out um I'll just take you back to thing because we, I think we, it's interesting to talk about that because now you're speaking that you're you're actually in a relationship, which is something I haven't had. I've had people come on, but they haven't spoken in this way about being in a relationship and being with somebody with mental health. Um, it, um, let's go back to Canada. Canada, and you spoke about mental health there. Is the is. Are the people? What's Canada like? What are the, what are the people like? Are they are they quite? Um, is it quite a happy place to live? I mean, obviously you've lived there your life. In a sense, you've, you've you've come from there. Is it a happy place to live? Uh, you know, what's what's the climate like? What's in terms of I almost want to say climate in terms of climate of happiness and you know the scale of ec- economics and stuff like that. What's Canada like to live? I'd say like it's it's a. We are a friendly, polite country. It's like everywhere else people have, but um, there's there lack their manners. But I would say overall, there's definitely seasonal depression we have here because of the winter. It's right. a really big issue for people here because we don't have a lot of sun. Right. And so without the, the sun, a lot of people get depressed. So there's a lot of seasonal depression that happens with people. Right. Um, and, and that's a big th- thing across Canada. We, we have... Um, we all have in our country um, it's different so we do have federal health care yeah. which means that like our, our doctors are paid for not our medications just 
doctor visits and with certain things it's, it's, it's an insurance company it's the same thing but run by the government yeah. that's what it is uh, ideally and so um it's not the easiest even to get help through our system unfortunately um and so that that's a big issue that we have here even with when people are going through these seasonal depressions that they go through every single year that could be addressed in some way and given some tools on how to help um we're not you know even so um we're not given these and, and even living in different parts of the province where they have like i've lived in edmonton and they have more sun there because they're higher up north yeah. and i don't find that i don't find that it actually makes a difference to be honest and who how people behave um our country definitely has a lot of mental health issues a lot of our crime from younger generations is because of mental health issues that aren't addressed as children and then they're they turn into adults and then that's what they know they're they're institutionalized at that point and conditioned and they don't even ever think about their mental health at that point because they don't even know it exists how much daylight hours so you're it happens in the winter which it tends to happen even in the uk in the winter where they have um you know the the, the lack of daylight how how many hours is is there in the in terms of daylight hours in, in the winter do you know so i would say on average because we change time zones right so like they do um they we we drop ahead back flip and plop an hour but i would say like in the winter it's usually dark by four it's usually dark by four o'clock in the afternoon and the sun i would say gets up around 7 38 on average, sort of sun comes up about 8 a.m. So and down by 4 p.m. So eight hours then, eight hours. Yeah, it's literally the same as yeah. same as the UK. And you know what? So what's so what's so funny about that is that it was only it was only until the other it was this December, and I started to, started to analyze it because I've lived in England um, obviously most of my life, and I didn't realize mm-hmm. you just go through the motions. But I didn't realize how lack of I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, there's only eight hours daylight in, in, in the UK. You're waking up in the... You, and I forgot all about that because I haven't been there for so long. I'd forgotten that you're waking up and it's dark. And then, obviously, it gets light about eight, nine. And then by the time four o'clock, you, you, yeah, around four o'clock, it's, um, it's getting dark again. And, and no wonder people are struggling with, um, you know, with, with, with the, we can struggle with that around Christmas time with the mental health and I suppose having yeah. Christmas around that time obviously having Christmas at that time Christmas time it can help to yes. negate any it can help to you know negate any any impact that um, being depressed yeah. can take place yes. can take place around that time in a sense it's almost like a time for joy everyone's up and down I was just going to say that word, you know, yeah, and, and, and that moment that you have allows you to try and pick yourself back up with all your family and friends, and that's why at Christmas time, I think it really does affect people who don't have people. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. I think that's the difference because you don't get that joy and that love in that moment when you have been because that's like the halfway point almost when you know you're starting to get into it it's already everybody's already in their homes nobody's hanging out anymore you don't see your neighbors unless you're shoveling snow and then you don't talk just say hey hate my life because i'm shoveling all this snow you know and you keep going so um, there's there's definitely less i was wondering if there's a connection then because you know most older people the older generation they that's when they winter time is when they tend to die off more they tend to there's more of them that die off in the winter yeah. at the time of the year and I wonder if you can connect that obviously there's, there's the, the weather and all that but I wonder if you can connect that the loneliness and the lack of daylight hours and things like that I wonder if all those things kind of play a part in in, in, in for sure I think so yeah um, so Canada snowy place and the people <laughs> yeah yeah the people I mean you you do you find that can, can, Canadians are, are so much different from Americans, or do you, do you, what, you know, there's always I've, I've kind of over the years seen this rivalry between America and Canada, and you know, is that something that you've you've found? I mean, over the years. Um, I like I don't look at countries so much. I, I see all the the stuff. Sorry, between the two, um, I'm not obviously. I think like majority of the population of the world was not a fan of their president um i have i've even been on just being on clubhouse this app that um has come out that i'm on i've noticed like we're all the same everybody's like you know you hear things and i do hear things from americans that they never hear about canada um which is really odd to me because our news channels show what's going on in the states but they so it's um our country is a little different where like we still like why are we showing their news all the time and they don't care about our news you know um so we're still a little i would say like intertwined with them um in some ways we both have constitutions they wrote theirs first we took a look at theirs in canada and did what we thought was best based off of what they had already done so that's why we have so many similarities in our countries so it's maybe not even necessarily the human beings the individuals in the countries but some of the things that are foundations that are countries were built on are similar yeah yeah and you made some good made a good point there because it's not just that's it's not just your country it's not just Canada either the American news gets shown in other countries Interesting enough, it's still, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, uh, that's a good point you've made there, and uh, it's something to think about. Um, y- yeah, in terms, of, so let's talk about your journey, um, your life journey, and um, we can, you know, we can talk about, you know, you know, your, your mental health with with men and your husband and things like that. Let's talk about your journey and your life, and you know, the things that you've, how, how you see mental health and and the impact it has had on on you and or anybody else around you yeah I think um, it's definitely had a huge impact on whom I am and who I've built myself up over the years and been built up to be um, so my life's a little bit different than a typical 
um, I would say person, Canadian, human, what have you. Um, my parents were together for 17 years. My mother caught my my dad with another man, which ended their relationship. Um, and so in that, that was a barrier of mental health. Um, thereafter, that was one of the things that I had to learn to deal with. And in that way, I mean by I had to learn how to deal with the discrimination and um, the fact that people, the, just the understanding of the consequences in certain places for who my father was um, and and realizing that there was hatred out in the world that I didn't realize necessarily that was out there before because I just never felt it. So that was a when my father I was in grade two so then um, like I basically lived with my father from then on and his partner there was moments that I lived with my mom um, and my dad's partner um, who they're still together so like about 30 something years now um, had very severe mental health issues I, and again I believe in his case this is going back to just being a gay man and the hardships that he had growing up. Unfortunately, that came out on t- to me and he was very abusive to me um, because, um, well, because that was, he had issues is what it comes down to. So um, from grade six to grade 10, um, in that time of living exclusively with my father, um, I had a lot of abuse from my dad's partner um, I had a lot of abuse at school for sticking up with my dad from children, um, bullying, severe bullying. Um, and then through all of those, I've developed obviously my own mental health issues and my own self-worth issues through those things. Um, my mom and my dad, knowing that my stepdad, my dad's partner, was beating me up and things like kicking me down the stairs and throwing stuff at me and... Um, uh, spraying me in the face with a high pressure hose, things like that. Yeah. Um, and then, and then I decided um, to leave there. And my mom, at that point, um, my mom had a lot of her own mental health issues going on as well because she just came out of a marriage or and relationship with a man for 17 years, had two children and actually love that man to turn around and find out that the whole time he was a homosexual and the whole time cheating behind her back. So she also had her own issues going on with her mental health and self-worth that she was dealing with. So that made for a very interesting um, upbringing with everybody having to deal and not knowing or dealing um i ended up then homeless at 15 on the streets in toronto um and the reason being is my mom wanted me to go and stay at um, a place called freedom village usa which was um labeled uh, a home for troubled teens um they were later shut down and and outed as a cult a christian cult um and so i went there now with regards to the troubled teen, I would say that I was definitely, I'm still, I'm witty. I'm, I'm still, I am the same person. Um, I've learned over the years that it was 
in that part of working on myself is that was my mom's mental health issues at the time and it wasn't me she couldn't deal with it was her who couldn't deal with me you know um and so i i went there and i was supposed to complete a program and it was the year and um fortunately left enough for me i got myself kicked out of the program and only because of opinions not because of misbehavior because of questioning some of the th- of their teachings and asking questions of people in their for making other students ask questions and making them uncomfortable um and so <clears throat> that was that was even that was even different we got in trouble there we hauled wood so you would get so if i got in trouble i would have to haul wood they it would be our it was from 5 till 10 p.m. at night you would have to go and haul wood um and it was like a certain track at school just say or when or track and field track and like there's wood halfway on each side yeah. and so you pick up a piece of wood and you go and you drop it halfway and you walk with no wood and you pick up a piece of wood and you walk halfway and you do that for 5 hours and if you're on something called no level you did that from 5 till 10 and then from 5 till 7 in the morning was that was that a form of what so, was it be a form of punishment yeah that was if you talked back if you did anything like you could have done so when you were in freedom village uh we shared a calf with the guys the men the boys um but when you went in there like the girls and the boys were not allowed to look at each other like at all like you weren't allowed to glance so if i got caught even if i didn't mean to like glazing or staring at somebody then you would get written up and so once you get written up your punishments are hauling wood and so they then they'll say okay you have one 5 to 10 which means like you haul wood from 5 to 10 for one night or you have two or you have and they would like you know you're on no level which means that you sit on a table all by yourself or with other no level people and you get to eat last you know you aren't allowed to talk at your table and that's when you haul wood from 5 to 10 in that night and 5 to 7 in the morning so <clears throat> that was something that i'm going to stop you there You know this 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 freedom play this freedom organization. Yes. Who funded it? Mm-hmm. And was it ne- before the outing before it was outed? And how long did it run for? And basically didn't didn't anybody know these things were going on? So it was funded by um so my mom paid for me to be there. I don't know what it was but this is 20 years ago is more it, than 20 years ago um i remember she paid is it government fund is it a government she paid place? the 400 no 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 it's private right it's okay. a private place in the states right. it's christian so um parents pay for their children so my mom paid 400 american a month for me to be there um and then other parents pay and then they have people donations um the gentleman his name is um uh well they call him pastor but it's um Fletcher I forget his first name but um pastor Fletcher and and I guess he got in trouble for for money like miss uh miss using the funds and stuff like that and got shut down because but they were open since the 80s like they were open for a very long time very long time wow. yeah and you know even in that though there's some like not from bad can come good it wasn't a 
good place necessarily like it was a bad place but um i know people in there who it saved their life yeah yeah being in that place so it's not all bad there's like just because bad people ran it you know what i mean there it doesn't mean that like there, it, there's not some people that <clears throat> it helped change their life yeah. you know yeah, even hauling like hauling wood was horrible but like I look back and I'm like, I did, like I did it, you know. I hauled wood. I would go out there and I would haul my wood for my forever, yeah. you know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just thinking. Um, and just so thinking after, a, I'm just thinking as a, as a, as a someone who's who works with children and young people. And yes, I, 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 I totally understand what you mean because some people it could change their lives, but it, and if you might, I'm just thinking for somebody who. For, pe- for children who may not have, I don't know, not want, how can I put it? For children who may have been um, kind of, not misdiagnosed, if you want to, you want to call it misdiagnosed, if you call it, I call it a diagnosis of mm-hmm. someone who's naughty or whatever. For someone, or misunderstood, for somebody who, who for a child that maybe was misunderstood, that would be seen probably as, as a, not a great place for them to have been, if you see what I mean. If you look at, if you look at it in that. Well, way. no, and a lot of it for me is my family wasn't Christian. My mom's not Christian. Mm-hmm. My dad's not Christian. We never went to church. My mom doesn't believe in God. Like my like so, and to go into there, a lot of it, like I wasn't a. I have a kid. I wasn't a bad kid. You know, like I, I never stole from my parents. I might have talked back a bit but not even like I never swore at my mom I never cursed or cussed or anything like that a lot of it was her like you having children with ADHD Mm. and having these things can be uh, like my daughter is and I understand like it can be overwhelming sometimes because Alexis overwhelms me sometimes so now knowing even having my daughter, I look back and it was her. It wasn't me, it was my mom. Yeah. Like it was easier to put it on me and put me in there. But like I was just really, I was really relaxed. Like when I lived with my dad, like I didn't get in trouble and I had free range. When I, like at 11 years old, when I, when I lived with him, like I never, I had free range. My dad was out doing his own thing with, because of his mental health and finally um, coming out or somewhat being forced out of the closet as a gay man that's now allowed him to go out and be in the gay community and meet people that he's never met and fulfill some of that void that he needed to be filled Mm. and I never so I growing up and doing work and and stuff I realized like it wasn't me it was my mom like it was it was no matter what kid it was it didn't have to be Megan it could have been like any kid that was too much for her yeah. You know, and, and that was a, that was her personal issue. <clears throat> and that's something that I really had to work through by myself with everything that my mom had put me through. Um, a lot of it being put back on like that it was me. So my whole life I thought it was me and then in, and in, and internalizing and growing and speaking with people and also doing the work within myself at the same time as talking with everyone else. Um, I just it, a lot of times like our parents have mental health issues 
and then that gets passed down to us yeah, and then but sometimes generation it was them it wasn't us yeah. yeah and to try and stop that and recognize now like my daughter is not too much for me she is her she's fine she is too much sometimes but she's never going to be too much that I'm going to give up on her like there's never going to be a time where Alexis talks too much or talks back too much or has her moments where you know I've asked her 5,000 times to do something downstairs while I'm getting ready and I come down and she's looking at a shiny ball you know like I get it it's frustrating um having a child with ADHD can be very trying and especially when you have ADHD yourself <laughs> so like like I um I get all that, but in realizing like her mental health, my father's mental health because of their marriage and previous lives and upbringings, like does really affect who your children are. And that's why I try my best now to get help for my mental health. And I've tried my best to work through these things that I've gone through because I want to be able to level up for Alexis, you know? I don't, I don't want her to feel the same. I don't want her to take her, like, half of her life to figure out things that um, I wish I knew as a little girl. Yeah, you don't, because want, then, you don't want her to go through the same things that you've been through, and you want it to be... No. Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought my parents were perfect. I thought my parents knew everything. I thought that what they were going through like I never thought outside their box right I was just stuck in my family where I encouraged my child to step outside of our box like look beyond us so let's talk about let's talk about you you know because to kind of um, understand you and understand what in a sense what went off you, you, when you, because you mentioned grade two. For listeners out there, what age is that? Grade six is with grade. Uh, eight. eight. eight so yeah, eight. My daughter's twelve, and she's um ending grade six now. So, so she right. was yeah, I was in grade two. So you were in just grade ending. Two, so you were eight years old. Your parents separated. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you, you uh, and then you went to your dad's. Over. Yes. Yeah, sorry, you went to your dad. And we didn't know he was gay. Yeah, so you, so you didn't know he was gay. It was outed, in a sense. You, you got, you know, you got in trouble, or you got a court. Yes. You've ended up with, you've ended up with your dad, and your your dad's partner starts abusing you. Did your dad know about this abuse? Yes. Yeah, he was there. Yeah. He, <clears throat> my dad is a really hard person to explain because he is has a lot of his own mental health issues mm. and I don't know why he stood there like that for a long time I didn't get it why he allowed that to happen or why he didn't stop it or why he stayed and you have all these like these whys why why you know um and then, like, it's, you know, it's just like he did. He's a human. He, he messed up. He shouldn't have done it. I realized that my father also, like, I love him, but he's not a strong man. Mm. And so, and, and so, because he's just a human. We all have friends. 
we've seen our friends we know our friends and what friends you go to for what who can offer you what who can't like you know and, and just like I I just had to understand like my father loves me I call my dad for anything right now and if he needs it he'll give it to me um but I didn't talk to him for six years um as an adult and I came back after I worked on myself and I worked through it all of him letting Trevor abuse me mentally and physically and and drag me down and not never sticking up for me and 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 never helping me or you know uh, my mom came there one time because a friend called saying he was abusing me and my dad said he wasn't you know and so I went through all of these things and for six years I didn't talk to him and I got myself through it all I worked through what I needed to and I went back to my dad and I and I emailed him and I said like I love you and I want you in my life um but I have boundaries Trevor will never that's his partner Trevor he will never be in my life again I don't ever he's not welcome in my life ever again and um these are things where people get frustrated I think and think oh like, you know, I can't see my dad because of Trevor and I can't do this because of Trevor. But then this is where you have to turn it around for myself. And remember, I set boundaries. I can go to my dad's house if I choose whenever I want. I can choose to have Trevor in my life and then have this thing that I, I think sometimes in my head that I want with my dad, which is um, being able to FaceTime at any time and, and do all these things. Um, but I have boundaries that I put up and I can't be upset about my boundaries, you know, cause sometimes it is frustrating no matter what my boundaries are. I get mad cause he's my dad, you know, and, and that's frustrating still to this day, but I love my dad and for whatever reason he has mental health issues and needs help. And he's in an abusive relationship with a man, which I think also is a very hard thing to recognize for men and gay men. Um, and I, we have our boundaries. My dad's really respectful of them. Yeah. And so this is the relationship that we have now, and it's better than nothing, yeah. you know? And also my dad is not a confrontational man. That's just not who he is with anybody. He's just, there's, he's, he's one of those people. He'd rather everybody just like, let's just relax, figure this out and move on, you know? And, um, so for when I, after talking to him for six years, he did apologize and acknowledge for the first time what Trevor did to me. And so that was a lot because in all my life, he never even admitted that Trevor was mean to me. And so in that letter, um, he did, and that helped our relationship a lot for me, just even admitting. And, and Trevor has a lot of mental health issues and that why he is the way he is um and this isn't part of where I left my husband because I grew up with my dad and Trevor and I grew up with a man who had mental health issues and I I've seen it it was a different issue I know what it's like to walk around on eggshells I know what it's like to walk around on eggshells because you don't want somebody to be bitchy or to freak out or excuse my French um or to be grumpy and then have to listen to them complain or like I know what's that like and um unlike what my father did I thought oh okay I'm just gonna I'm gonna help my husband I'm gonna get him help um and that 
that's that's been for five years I tried and then you know you find out that he my husband didn't want help he wanted me to stay so he was doing the least amount of work to keep the circle going yeah. you know and this is that mental health thing because he was being completely like selfish and narcissistic at that point because what about me like what about what I, I was trying to help save our family you know um, and it goes back to trauma where I found out my husband um, smoked behind my back for five years and to some people but even in Sobe smoking behind my back he didn't like dealing with banking so I did it all mm. which was no hiding anything I just that's just what I did yeah. but that means that in all my budgeting he was lying when he was going places like there was just you know and years of lives and a lot of that is his trauma and growing up and you, hit something he needs to deal you with smoking, you know when you say smoking it was what do you mean by stevie's what, what do you mean by smoking cigarettes cigarettes so he was cigarette using, was he was he using yes. the money to then to fund that lifestyle in a sense then yeah yep so but he wasn't telling me so that was another lie so instead of saying, oh, I'm like, I would budget, okay, I'm a budgeter. So I'd sit down at the month and I'd say, okay, this is what we need to do. This money needs to go here, blah, blah, blah. Like, how much do you need for work, gas? Like, how much do you need for this? And I'd ask him questions, but, but we would have, you know, and he would say this, this, but really that some of those funds were for cigarettes, mm. you know? And we had had hard times in the beginning where we moved in our budget, where we ended up renting was um, like three... 300 over what we, we could afford yeah. so I had to go to the food food bank which you know I'm all I've, I'm a survivor guy my my pride is making sure that I'm fed and my family is fed yeah. um, however nobody nobody wants to go stand in that line um, because you don't want to be in that position and then to find out that my husband was buying cigarettes behind my back that, at that time and also knowing that he would have never stood in that line. Yeah. You know, so for a long time, I had someone's back um, and their trauma was too great for mine. And it's hard because then they gaslight you. You know, there's a whole mental health thing because he, I took care of that man for so long that he literally doesn't know how to do anything by himself. He didn't order a pizza, right. you know, and LDs and so what happened to me is I looked and I thought I'm not doing this to my daughter like he's a good father he's an excellent father yeah. however the bickering and the and the fighting and the eggshells walking around if somebody's going to be grumpy or not or come home grumpy from work it um and the lies the lies it wasn't worth it anymore so I couldn't help his mental health and that's so when I realized to get out I wasn't trying to help him I was trying you were strong enough yeah. to get out yeah yeah yeah, I told him to get out. Yeah, he's I caught him smoking again behind my back again. And the smoking's been a two-year battle of lying to me. Yeah. Smoking for five years, lying to me about it for two. Yeah, and then you wonder... Like, the, like actually. Yeah, because then you start to wonder what, what else has he been lying about? He's just been lying about when did he smoke or, you know, when did you buy them and, you know, who was he with and blah, blah, blah. It can, it can bring up so many different thoughts and then that can affect you mentally as well. Um... Well, because it brings back the whole fact of you trust somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So and then you find out they're a liar. So you're, you're, 
um, your when did you find when did you rec- when was it when were you diagnosed or recognized that you were ADHD? Um, as a little girl, like I was probably. And I would say I don't remember the exact age. I was so, I was a little girl when so that, that happened. So it would have been after. Would have been my parents. Yeah, after your parents died, and, and before that, were you were you a well people say normal child, but were you living that kind of like a happy life? Were you there was no there was no incidents of where they might say you, you were ADHD before that or. Honestly, like, I don't remember much before that, to be honest. I, like, before my parents, like, I have little glimpses of birthday parties and stuff, you know. Um, But I don't know, like, my dad was not for the medicine and my mom was for it. This is, this is. Um, I take ADHD medicine as an adult now. And I can definitely see in myself and my daughter I can, and my, I can definitely see things now that I'm older and I look outside the circle at some of the ways that my daughter and I function mm. versus like how some other people function in some of the silly loop-de-loop circles we go in along the way versus just like a circle. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can see these things. At my age, I'm getting better at it. Alexis is going to have to learn to deal and to, to find workarounds for herself. Yeah. You know? So would you would um, would you say what you know when you were, when when you were diagnosed how how was you what made you be diagnosed who who said that you maybe who thought did it, it, it I'm presuming it didn't come from you did, who said that you would be you no we went to a psychologist I think it is like where I just um. Where you have the tests, you go and they do a bunch of tests with you and watch you behind the glass and play and those types yeah, of but things. But why, why did they do so that? So that's I'm what not, I'm... What I'm asking you is why did they... What made you go to that? What? Who made... What, do you see what I mean? I'm, what made you... What made you go to see... My mom. So she was recognising something... My mom brought me there. Why, why did she do that? Yeah, she was saying that. Because um, she said I was... Like I was... Uh, she said she could always tell I was different. I, her main thing was right, okay. hyperactivity, yeah, okay. um, and not like paying, like not paying attention to things, forgetting, like being forgetting things, not cleaning up after myself, mm. um, like picking up after myself, getting overwhelmed when there's like um, a huge, too much, like work. mess to deal with. Too much yeah, like my, yes, and so. It's funny, I can see different levels of it because my, hu- my ex-husband has it. Where like, um, and then my, my daughter has it. And so I can see the different, I'm different than um, Alexis, my daughter and my ex-husband, Michael. But I was never as a child, I was ADD, I was an ADHD. And, I, and they cha- they've changed it all now. But I'm definitely, um, I'm different than the two of them. Like, they are they're a lot alike in their ways um where my mine is a bit different i'm i'm better at organizing myself yeah. do you think that um looking back now do you think that your you being diagnosed and you it's do you think it was 
part of not part of it but do you think it was further in your your behavior was compounded by the fact that your parents split up did it change that's what i'm saying did it go get did your behavior get worse and then that's when they recognize that you may be adhd um i wouldn't say my behavior i would say that my mom had more stress would you see what and you see mental what health depression would you see what i mean if you if you yeah i don't think it was me yeah but if you see what i mean if you if someone's saying to you you've got adhd and you you were going through okay. your life imagine what i'm saying to you is if i'm a if i'm if i'm this personality then all of a sudden something happens to me trauma happens to me like you say the the, the abuse the abuse kicks in the, the abuse kicks in the 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 break, the, you know, obviously the breakdown in the marriage and things like that, and you, because oh, as children we get, we we see our parents as these wonderful people. Then also they, they have this, we have this, they have this um, a breakup, and we wonder, we we're left confused. The children get become confused, and then it can impact the behaviour. And then what I think what I'm kind of tra- I'm trying to get from you is, is do you think your behaviour, if you ignore your mum out of the equation, do you think your behavior was got do you think you became different when when your when my parents split up when your parents split up and then the abuse kicked in because when you I think that when my parents split up I don't personally remember necessarily caring myself that they weren't together Hmm. um what I do remember from my feelings like looking back as a little girl um is that i know now but i didn't understand why my dad didn't want to like hang out because i was more of like a dad's girl and didn't understand like why now i know he was ashamed of himself which shouldn't shouldn't have like he should have sucked it up and 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 um i because i didn't know what was going on right as a little girl um i remember i remember that from from all of that I think that I think that the development of the ADHD and getting that tested was something that came from my mom being stressed out trying to find another reason for it besides it just being that she needed more patience and and like that she wasn't the only one who had gone through something you know Um, that maybe the children had gone through something when I lived with my dad, I was never medicated. I was never medicated with my with my father. Um, I also found out later in life at 30, though, that I was epileptic. Right. So a lot of that could have been my epilepsy undiagnosed because I didn't have any seizures. Nobody knew I had it. So I didn't even be, I, at 30, I, um, I got epilepsy. Um, and I have, like, I had my daughter and, and it was all under control until I went back to school to become a paralegal. And then it started to, um, worsen my epilepsy. Um, and so looking back about your brain and the part where it is in my brain, a lot of it could have been the whole time, um, epilepsy and not ADHD could have just been a lot of my things. Um, and I do encourage everybody that listens, there's a Reddit group, um, uh, Epilepsy, 
group and I do encourage anyone with epilepsy to go take a look at that it's a lot of information on there that I've personally found um, in my endeavor about learning about my disability um, to be very 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 helpful especially the views from all over the world I don't like just I just like hearing more than just my country yeah how do you um, for those people listening out out there can you just tell them what is epilepsy um, just in case somebody might be might have you know might have you know, the symptoms of it now or whatever they don't realize what it is um, let them know what epilepsy is yeah, so um, epilepsy what it is is in your brains to like keep it easy but um, we have our neurons which are like train tracks um, and when you have epilepsy your wires are all screwed up or your train tracks inside so basically different things can happen because of that and there's different parts of your brain so depending on your parts of your brain can um change what what side effects you live with or how things work for you um but there is three types of epilepsy so there's what we call grand mal and i like to refer to that just to keep it easy visualize visualization is shaking baking because that's when you're full out on the floor shaking and I like to tell people that can happen for five minutes um, and I encourage people to phone um, pull out their phone sorry and start recording because for a neurologist that's very important and can help diagnose issues within um, their diagnosis further so that's really important um, and now there's also called a complex partial so that's when you don't shake but you're half in and you're half out so um that means that your brain's at the point where um it hasn't so when you have a grand mal it hits your hippocampus so when you have your complex partial it's when you're right there but it doesn't hit your hippocampus so you don't shake and so you're still kind of in your own world um but you're here and partial is generally for everyone how a, how a seizure will start, whether or not it's a complex partial or a grand mal. The partial is basically the first sign. Um, and for me, um, partials are, um, they can be stories in my head that feel like deja vus that aren't. Um, I can have a partial where I feel like I've smelled nasty garbage today and I do like a gag and a cough and feel nauseous and that happens for like a minute or two and my palms drip sweat which is gross and that's called a partial for me I can sit there and stare off sometimes and that's a partial I get really bad anxiety there's so many different types of of partials that people can get some people just get really bad nausea um, and that's why I encourage people whether or not you have epilepsy um, to check that group out because the information on there is coming from people with epilepsy, people having questions about epilepsy who are getting answered. And they're, they're not doctors. Everything I go on there, I read, I go and confirm and discuss with my neurologist. That's why I love it personally, um, because I can go in there and look at information and go back and say, hey, Dr. Berkovich, I read this on here, and you know my file, and, and I just want to know what you think about this. 
you know and then we'll have a conversation about it and sometimes he might say oh okay you know what Megan like we, we may do that or that's not like okay we can try that route or this is why you know and, and get answers further which is important because knowledge is power right yeah definitely um, and I, I still want to um, talk about you know your because obviously that's a that's a massive trauma to you um, at eight years old and and faced with uh, a man you know or anybody someone who's an adult an adult it could be a woman an adult who's who's a you know you know hitting you and abusing you in your mind at that time do, were you questioning were you at any point were you questioning why is this happening what what have i done wrong um yeah i think it, yeah yep definitely at times like why why yeah why am i here why not jacqueline who's my sister like why does my sister get to live with my mom and my stepdad which is easy and i'm here with my dad and why what did i do to trevor it's his name like why is he so mean to me like what what like how do i what did i do to deserve this like or do i deserve this was you know um but then i was always strong-willed in the back of my mind too where i was like knew that it was him yeah that it was trevor yeah that, i think what you know because i'm trying what i'm trying to get from you is because you're you're you live, obviously you're on the podcast now we're talking and to come through those uh-huh. things because those things can affect obviously it affects people it affects everybody it can affect anybody and it does affect people particularly child yeah. traumas and it's for some people that might have affected them so badly that they could have ended up you know there's so many different con- you know different connotations where or you know where they could have ended up in in different environments or you know they, they've they've um they've, they've struggled in even now throughout their lives mentally what was it about what did you do You've obviously spoke just then. You've mentioned that in the back of your head, you must have, you must have known it's this. It's not you. Obviously, you know it's not even in the back of your head, the front of your head. You know this is not me. I haven't done anything wrong, but this person is still doing these things to me. What was it about you? Uh-huh. That, what, where did your strength come from? That's what I'm trying to say. That age group, at that age, where was your strength coming from to kind of not fall prey to to, to depression or mental health or whatever? I think I definitely did. I didn't know I did it at the time. Well, you don't know. Like, I just, you, you, I just smiled. I didn't let, I didn't let him take away my fun. I didn't have fun when that happened. But then I would go out and I would enjoy myself. And yes, that was there. But, like, it wasn't going to ruin everything for me. Mm. And I did have my uh, ways of dealing with it. I went into a domestic abuse relationship for three and a half years with a man who is now up to be in life in prison they're looking to put him in so i went through that and there was things that um i went through and, and because of that i would have probably never been in a horribly abusive relationship with a man had i not been with trevor i probably wouldn't have or my dad i probably wouldn't have put up with it with the same if somebody taught me different but in the end it was again like it was with my ex-husband who i just um left who was um you're helping right i'm just helping I'm just helping somebody i'm a nice person i can help them like you know i can take it because like i've had problems you know so like i'm just gonna help them and then they're gonna be happy 
and I'm going to be happy and we live in utopia. Yeah. You know, um, and you know how long it took me? It took me from the time I was 17 years old, so 20 years to realize um, that that just wasn't true. Yeah. That you can't, you cannot change, you can't change people's mental health. You can't. You can't do it. They have to choose to do it for themselves and they have to choose to keep it up. Yeah. Like that's where the circle gets people and partners, I find. Because your partner lies. They say they're going to go good. Obviously, you love them and that's why you're there. And then like, you know, they have this cycle where they're good for a bit and then they decide, oh, they're fine. You know, and, the, and, then, and then it goes back down um, to, where, to where it was and then it's back in the cycle of back to the very beginning of getting the strength to get rid of them yeah so after after what what point did the at what point did the abuse with trevor stop at what age or what you said you spoke about earlier but what age was it what what was the age and what and what stopped it and what stopped that what stopped that abuse i stopped talking to trevor that's why i set boundaries It, it didn't stop continued on as an adult of different ways of digging of, of remarks of things you know and my sister still chooses to have a relationship with him uh, with Trevor and he even said something the other day about oh hit her daughter's belly she didn't have a belly but he is just a mean soul and so I decided to not let him suck my energy from me anymore I don't owe my energy to anyone do you think, and, and, and what you were saying earlier as well, what you just said just now actually, where you said you ended up in, you, you ended up in a, uh, with somebody who was an abuse, you know, an abusive relationship. Do you think then that you were looking, in a sense then, do you think as a, as a, as a female, you were looking for a father figure that you didn't, you had a father there, but obviously he's in that relationship and you, you, there must have been some sort of, there probably would, probably would have been resentment against him because of what, his situation with, with your mom. Do you think? I think what I'm trying to say is, do you think? I don't think I ever resented. I never resented for my dad, to be honest, with the situation with his mom. That was never a thought in my mind. My thought was just like, you know, I never thought about that, to be honest. Actually, I never thought about my dad and my mom. I think with JC was his name. Um, you look for love in the wrong places and when all you literally have ever known is people being mean to you your whole life but then yeah. telling you they love you at the same time then how do you know any different yeah, yeah. you don't yeah. you don't know any different and and so when when jc was a whore what i got myself into something first of all and as he he was dealing with people that i couldn't i had to just mind my own business and so i got myself into a situation um, where I had to shut up and mind my own business and and the way I got out of that situation was by moving I had to move away from him and even so it took me a long time to fully like get him out of my life and it was I didn't it was just for the, like on a man path I can't help myself because I've gone through so much and I feel like I've come out and I have like a head on my shoulders and I can think logically and, and think that I just want to help spread that to other people um but like I can't I'm now instead of trying to like help a person I'm just trying to help people yeah because the people who are listening to this who choose to listen to this that are at the place where they want help are going to listen to this and take it and the other people are going to listen and they might take something 
you know but why spend all my energy on one person who doesn't want want it when I can like open up my energy to everyone and let the people who want it take it and the people who are ready when it's there when they are and the ones who aren't they might still get something just by listening so you, so you know, it's bigger than one person. So, have you, have you ever found yourself wanting, you know, or or been to um, see um, counselling or things like that? What you know, after your the things that you've been through up until that point, even the abusive relationship, the abuse of hands of, um, you know, of. Trevor and and just growing up, yeah, just growing up, because as a as a young as a young woman as a girl, you 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 look. We always look for father figures, boys as well as we always look for you know, you know mother figures, father figures. But we always see these people as a as as a we're looking for role models and things like that. And sometimes those those role models can be. The images can be tainted by things that happen, and you know, like you say, you know, a man that comes into your life and he starts abusing, and 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 then another man comes starts abusing. You know, as a teenager and things like that, as a young girl, did you have? Were you? Was your confidence knocked? Were you? Were you? Did you have any aspirations? Was your confidence knocked to the point where you had aspirations in life? No, I've been on my own since I was 17. I've had my own apartment. So I've been on my, had my own place. Um, Like aspirations were hard because of everybody, even in school, because I was still trying to go to school. and, 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 you know, instead of people being positive, they have negative things to, to say to children, which is ridiculous, especially when, um, you don't know their home life or what's going on. So it was hard to have aspirations. But then I had friends who told me that I was smart and gave me things like like loved me and that became my family, that gave me confidence to have aspirations. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't through it wasn't through the men in my life, it was through the women in my life and through the parents that I've met and through the, like I, I talk to people, you know, so it can even be from the person that I met at my work that said something that I had a conversation with that resonated with me that I thought would be something good to take into my values or morals or <clears throat> my life in some manner. And um, I think that I was looking for um, I was looking for in JC um, I was looking for love yeah. I wanted somebody I lived on my own you know I wanted somebody who I wanted this like a normal life with somebody to have so I wasn't by myself anymore by the time I got myself in I was in too deep and that's what happens that people don't understand either and once I was in too deep it took me a long time to get out um, and once I did I'm still an empath and knowing that this man is up for prison for the rest of his life, which doesn't happen often here, um, still makes me feel bad for him, which is some people might think crazy, but I'm, I just, that's just my heart. I don't hate people. Yeah. Yeah. Can, people can, do crazy things. It's I know I can hear, I can usually I can, mental health. I can hear, I can, I can hear it from you. I've heard it, you know, 
literally about half an hour ago I can hear that even before that you're an empath I can I can feel it even, even through the even though I can't see you I can feel it um, just by the words you say and the, and, mm-hmm. and the tone of the way you're saying it um, and I can feel like your heart your heart's kind of like my heart goes out to Thank this you. person my heart goes out to this person so yeah I can feel that um, so I think I think what I'd like to do is you know well, maybe we can just talk about a little bit about about here about it here during your this this time of abuse in your relationship and how did you how did you get out of that how again I think what I'm trying to do is build up this image of you of being a, such a, a strong person um, which clearly you are thank you what what how did you mind you know obviously you said it was physical uh, mental what how did you get out of that the first thing i did to get out out is i had to move three hours away yeah, but, so but, i moved but, away but, but, but pri- what i'm trying to get at is prior to that you didn't just go oh did you just go oh i'm going to move today or was it a build-up was it a build-up of courage of of you know was it a plan what built up to that what happened um well i got jc was dealing drugs that's what he did and he got us kicked out of my apartment and i was homeless and i had um he had asked me to go somewhere and so i said okay and then i went to this place and he held me hostage and tried to take my bank card and and beat me up and did a bunch of bad things to me and got me really good that time and so then um, I then I told my mom what was going on. And so I ended up back down where she lived, which was three hours away because there was nowhere to get away from him there. Um, and so, yeah, and then, it, and then I got, I was finally after time, like he knew my phone number and what have you. And so he would phone and talk. And finally, I just, it just was able to, I just got rid of him. Like, I can't even, it just happened naturally that he just drifted off over time because I just did my own thing and he was far away. So I was able to ignore him and not have that confrontation with him about anything. And then he ended up in jail and he's been in and out of jail ever since. And so I don't, it's after that. I saw him once. I went, I never go out to a bar. And the one time I went out, he was there. And I was scared for a minute, so I said, whatever. So I just went up and walked up, and I said, hey, how are you doing? It's been a while. I thought, you know what, I'm going to know. I'd rather know. Um, so it took me in leaving him, like getting out of getting out of there, talking to him for a while, and then just realizing, like, I, I did realize I'm better than that. There is no future with him. Like, that was a child. Like, that, that, that was me searching for something, and once I didn't, wanted or needed anymore he was i got rid of him yeah once you really, you know yeah. once i was able to, yeah once you realize that, that i person, was there yeah once you realize that person is not it's it's almost like when you went up to him is you sort of, it's almost like you you're seeking a you're seeking a final in your, in the back of your mind and that subconscious you're seeking seeking a a moment to say you know what is this person changed or blah 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 Mm, no, this person is. I feel like I'm just not afraid of you. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm not afraid of you. That's enough. Like I can walk up and I can say hello. Yeah, and you you didn't get me. Like you still didn't get me. Like, and that was one thing. Like through JC, like as messed up as it was for me, it was like you know no matter how many times this man knocked me down, I, every single time I stood up. Every time I stood back up. 
you know, and and so um, like everybody has their own thing. For me, that was something that I, for me, is like you know, I kept standing up. I never let him knock me down. Yeah. I never let him sway my values. Um, like when he got me that one time, he wanted to take my money to steal, like to put it, pretend to put che- a check in, like to steal money from the bank using my account, and I said no. Um, and so I always had my morals and my values. I've been strong-willed about that. Some situations, like JC, when you're an abusive, you don't have you, can, you don't have your voice the same. Well, you, sorry, you do have your voice, but when you speak your voice, you just get beat up. So you sometimes choose what what to defend yourself against. Is, is what you said. Then, and again, that. Oh. Sorry, I was going to say what you said then. And, I, and I'm going to go back to that. What you said then when you went, you got me good that time. It's almost, that those words are kind of profound because it's almost like, it's almost like, how can I put it? Like you've, you've taken this abuse, but this is the one that, the, out of all the abuse that has happened, this is the one that broke, what did it say? The, broke, the straw that broke the camel's back. I think there always is that. That's what happened with my ex. It was the same thing. It was lies, lies. They said that it was. It's, it's, it's the same. It was the same thing. It was different, you know. Um, JC had physical, and Michael was never physical, and and he was mental um, and verbal. But it wasn't the same as mental and verbal as JC, you know. Um, and and the thing is that every every point I think in my life. Even being that empath, I get, I'm the person I get to that point when I know I'm done, I'm just done. Like I'm, once you've, once I've tried so much and you've done so much, I just, I just walk away. And you know, with my husband, it was the same thing. It was just like so many times of trying, um, and trying and trying and nothing. And finally I just walked away. And when I walk away, I'm done. Yeah. And did you ever, have you ever got counseling or any, um, anything any counseling or any seen anybody yeah so i've actually there's a wonderful woman i speak to named alexis cunningham and she's based out of um the states actually in california i do a lot of i've always done a lot of reading on things by myself to help myself through um but i've seen counselors over the years um over multiple things like once I left JC I saw a counselor for a while and then yeah and like just in, in my trying to find and settle my childhood for myself I spoke with Alexis and I do still if I need her I find affirmations always have found affirmations and poems very very um relaxing they help me a lot and help me to put things into perspective yeah. and how's- so um How's, how's your, you know, the ADHD side of things? How's that? How have you managed to, how have you, how's that, how have you coped with that, you know, ADHD and, and knowing that you had it in or you were diagnosed with it? Um, you know, how's that impacted your life or for the, you know, the negatives and the positives? Um, I think that. I think that having ADHD is a great thing. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that it's a thing that you have to learn how to deal with yourself, kind of, more of. It's a superpower. It's it's classed as a superpower now, actually. 
yeah and you have and I think that's the problem with children is like until you can zone in on it and understand how to like deal with yourself it's really hard because um I even myself now will get in the car now part of my um epilepsy is memory too but still like you know example my ex like his ADHD and not working on that was like a huge issue because I have messes all over my house because of it um with my ADHD growing up, I was never medicated. I think I think I did make some impulse control decisions. I'm sorry, I made some impulse um, decisions that may not have happened either had I been medicated at the time or had better um, coping skills to learn how to deal with. But again, I was 17 by myself. Um, as an adult right now, I do take medicine for my ADHD with all my epilepsy going on. I'm finding it really hard to be able to remember and focus and pay attention. Mm. Um, so I do take medicine right now. I think that medicine, I didn't before this, like I hadn't taken medicine since I was a little girl. I think it depends. Like my daughter is on medication. That was a really hard choice for me to make. Mm. But after um, she had been to a couple of schools um, because we had moved a couple times in between. And so after I had been she'd been to like her fifth school and unfortunately this is by grade two because we had excuse me a little bit of moving and they kept saying everybody would say the same things and nobody knew each other because these were different cities and provinces um it made me get i went and looked at a diagnosis because of my own childhood that stopped me from wanting her to have adhd because that was my own thing in my head because if she had adhd then like things weren't going to be good for her and it was going to be like she was going to be too it was my own inner issues um and she went and she was diagnosed with um type one i don't there's two types of but she's been on medication and sometimes as a parent i feel guilty medicating my child but then when she's not medicated her and and in time like hopefully she won't like you know as she matures and can make different choices but if she's not medicated, like, like her whole day is um, bad because she makes such bad decisions and her impulse control and her remembering to do things and then she gets in trouble for things. And so that's where the medication comes into play because, again, it's weird, but it, it's better for her mental health. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to get in trouble 24-7. Like nobody wants to walk away from their parents and do things that they know they are not allowed to do and I can see in her face that she didn't I can tell that she wasn't thinking at that moment like I can see it you know so it was really really hard for me to choose to medicate Alexis that was one of the hardest things I've had to do as a parent and once I did it um, everything's different for everyone and every choice you know Um, but it did improve her schoolwork it helped her friendships um because that can be a really hard thing with kids with ADHD is, you know, it's friendships. Yeah. It can be a very hard thing. I, I found that very hard as a kid too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and all you can do is best, the best. So even now. All you can do is you do the best for your child at that, that time, in that moment. And that's all you can do. And it's hard because all the parents judge and, you know, and, and people say, and the thing is funny is I have my friends used to, like I have one kid. I can only have one child. So I have one daughter. So people have a, children to look at to compare their children to to say like oh you know but I never had that so all I ever had was Alexis so when teachers are telling me things and people are telling me things like I've never seen another child her age really on a consistent basis you know 
Um, and she is a superpower. Like my, my daughter is so smart and she is so intellectual. Like if she is, she is, um, horrible impulse control problems, um, which get her into trouble. So, um, I think it is for every parent and every child's different. Every lifestyle different. Every, um, everything is different in that way. And for me, it's all about like what's in the best interest of your child. Taken, at that time has she taken um, um, a lot of her mum's trait, trait, traits one of them being strength resilience and um, empath has, has, has she taken some of those strengths or is, is it not is it not being shown I think I'm seeing that no I think I'm seeing that right now with her father and I splitting up and um, like I have a, a new man in my life and so um, she is seeming and this is where like you never know like she's seeming fine i have conversations i ask alexis if she's anybody she wants to speak to i let her know that we have something here called the kids help phone line that she's more than welcome to call at any time like i've offered her therapy she's not ready yet you know um and she does seem really resilient but like even and maybe she will be like me but it makes me nervous at the same time you know um, but again, I can only do what's best for what I think is best for Alexis, and which is asking her if she needs help and when she wants to talk to somebody like I am here for her. But she is, yes, a lot like me, and I think it's because she's seen me pull up my pants and do what I have to do. Yeah, yeah. You, see, you know, you, from, the, from what you've, you know, you've, you've said today, you, you, you're definitely a strong woman to have gone through. You know, Thank you so much. Yeah, but you are. I mean, because to, for you to have gone through, um, and obviously there's going to be a lot more because obviously we, you know, we're just kind of touching the, touching the thing, but um, the tip of it. But there's things that you've, you know, from eight years old to go through all that, and then and go through it for so many years, and then and then to still have um, the way, you know, we was laughing at the beginning, and we, you know, even through this was, you know, there's been mm-hmm. times where you've. There's times I don't I can't see you, but there's times. I'm sure there's times when you smiled. I, I felt the smiles, and there's times when you, you know, mm-hmm. you know, there's times where you would have recollect and thinking, you know, what I wish that didn't happen to me, and blah blah. blah. But it, we have these experiences, and it makes us, and for and for a lot of us, it can make us um, a lot stronger. And it, when we then have a child, um, we always try to do the best to make them shelter them from certain things, but obviously. Um, help res- build resilience and strength in them. So, it's, um, what's what's what what is it about you? What what are some of the things that you enjoy doing now? What are the things that make you smile and and make you happy? Yes, you got your child and you've got a partner, but what about you? What are some, some of the things that you do on a daily basis that kind of help you? I love people. I really do. It's that's what's hard with COVID. Um, on a daily basis, I love. I'm just. I'm, I just love having, like, I, have a, I love having fun. Like, I love people and I love laughing. So even if it's with Alexis or shooting, like, talking, whatever, sorry, with my neighbor or happy, like, my big passion, and that's a part of doing this is humans. Like, I love people. I can't help myself. Like, and I'm really passionate about um, um, equality. And, and so my biggest thing is I find it very interesting to speak to people and making me smile is, is just 
having a good conversation with somebody, learning something new, making a small joke, seeing somebody else smile makes me smile, you know? Like even sitting here and talking to you and listening to you, like your little jokes, like, um, makes me smile. Um, so for me, it's not much. Like, it's not huge things that I need to make me smile. It's the smaller things of people's energy. Like, that's what makes me happy. Yeah. Being around people even sitting beside somebody with good energy just smiling at them i smile at everybody yeah are you a person i, I, I smile at everyone are you a person that likes to go out for walks are you in nature do you are you surrounded by nature or anything like that are you are you in the city are you in city or you're rural i have i have chills around here that's one thing even in leaving my husband a lot of the things that i really like to do i stopped doing so you know i am I am coming and finding the things that I like to do besides sit around the house, which ended up happening a lot. Um, so I'm finding, but when I, I love outside, one of my favorite things to do is go for car rides. I like like evening car rides and just go um, sometimes drive into the city or drive around country roads and just go for drives and look at houses and grass and farms. And, you know, um, I love doing that and, and just talking listening to music and like laughing along the way whether it's with like my boyfriend or my friend or whomever you know I really enjoy that camaraderie with people yeah. um, and I think that's because that's what's got me through yeah definitely definitely the sense of humor you know sense of humor and yes coping, coping. I can I, I know I can I can feel it from you because even at the beginning when we before we even started podcast of you know you you know the, the laughter and stuff like that and and going through this this you know this this episode I, you know I can hear that there's you know the, the, you're a person that likes humans because you're always talking about you use the word help a lot use it a lot and you go, if you go back and listen to this you use that word help a lot and you obviously want to help others um, what 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 do you see yourself doing in terms of helping others like you say you're coming on these podcasts and what would you like to see yourself doing you said you got. You, you say you started training before, and then before the epilepsy or something. Yeah, so I was going to be a paralegal, which is um, a step down here from a law, from a lawyer. Um, and because of my epilepsy, I've had my medicine changes and memory and such. I've decided to change my roots and the route um, that I was going to do. But I still want to do the same thing because. Um, even in speaking like my passion is humanity yeah. my passion is equality yeah. through every culture like uh, my whole thing is like we live in this world where everybody's separated by like invisible lines like it's crazy to me it's crazy to think that like my neighbors across the street it's like that's how invisible the line is you know yeah. and yet like we're all treated so right like that's just crazy to me but we're all treated so differently so I want to get out there and I want to talk about my epilepsy and I want to talk about like being abused by JC and I want to talk about the fact that my friend and I um sat there the other day um that knew me with JC we've been friends and and like literally like Peter pants laughing over stuff because I look back and I'm like like we'd let we're, we, we would just sit there and we're like oh my god like how are we so stupid and not we weren't stupid we were kids and we're adults but like we have that where we can look back and laugh at it we're like can you believe that happened you know and we'll pee our pants laughing because it did happen and we are here you know and i can look back and laugh at it now you know yeah. i laugh i laugh at a lot of stuff i think that's my way of dealing i, I laugh at things 
if something's funny, it's funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I can't, like if it, it, whether it's not directly happening to me or somebody else, I can still sit back and laugh about it and make fun of myself and my situations and, like, be lighthearted of the outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing is just don't be hard on yourself yeah. and laugh because you made it. How do you, how, you know. how, what have you thought about? Have you th- ever thought about um, your life and and doing a book or getting out there and sort of doing talks or speaking to people about? Because there's going to be your story. Um, you know, will have an impact, and people will be listening and thinking, you know, what I've gone through similar to that. Whether it's the whether it's that. Yeah, the relationship part or whether it's that part or you know different parts of your life or you know maybe all of it some people somebody might be out there listening and and gone through those things have you ever thought about you know you know giving talks and and you know like you say you do podcasts and you know writing even maybe even writing a book it's something that it's ever crossed your mind yeah writing a book actually is been in my mind for a very long time it's something that I um have thought about in telling my story um just of I think there's a lot of people who grew up in situations like mine meaning people who grew up in the 90s um children of gay marriages and I mean by that of men or women who came out after marrying somebody and being straight um and I haven't met that many people in my life but just yeah the resilience and I don't want anybody to like ever sit there and think that they can't make it another day when I'm can sit here and tell my story and say listen like you can make it another day like every day is not going to be perfect and if, if somebody thinks that like you know you're going to grow up as an adult in life and and if that's what gets you through that's fine you know what I mean but like as an adult things didn't change at all like I just got wiser I I've got smarter I make better decisions now, but life didn't change. You know, like things are still hard. You still have to figure out how to pay the bills. You still have to figure out how to put food on the table, how to get to work, how to get a job, how like these are all things. These are all still problems we have as adults, just different stresses, you know. My feelings are still the same. Have you you healed or you're still on that journey of I think that I'm on a new journey. I've healed from all of that now, and I'm ready to take this path. I know I'm healed from that because my, now my story is my story. So before, in doing my story, I'd be upset about hurting other people's feelings. Um, and now I'm at the point, but like my story can help people, and everybody has their story. So if you talk to my mom, her story is different than my story because that's her that's her vision right um but I think that that part and in leaving my husband was a huge part of ending that journey I met my husband when I was with my abusive ex um, husband my abusive ex and in some part of my mind like he helped me through that and I think that's what kept me there for so long and so now just realizing and in going to school which was really empowering for me um I realized that um like I am smart. I only had nine credits. I never graduated high school. Um, so in going to school and realizing I can do it by myself and everything I did that I helped 
like I helped my husband do, I'm going to turn around and do for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done. My journey, my, that old journey of helping and changing and trying, like I'm not, like my journey now is about me. Like I'm an adult now. I've gone through so much. I've helped so much people. And like now it's what, what do I want to do for, for my journey? And what I want to do is what speaking with you. Um, I'm in clubhouse. I'd like to, um, get my own room going and and probably my own podcast and and yeah like in the works potentially a book that's something I thought about doing um but I really want to get out there right now and get my podcast going and and get these things going so I can speak even like have you so we can counter interact and all collaborate together to, to use our platforms to have a big message across with regards to mental health and who to reach out to and what podcasts are are there for that moment in your life you know and and because everybody's offering something different through their podcast um through different words or moments or discussions or guests you know and so I would really, really like to get out there and just help build these platforms with everybody and just end this stigma and just try and find some peace within ourselves. Yeah, yeah and, I'm, and I'm all for that. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking to collaborate and, and kind of, because um, I think a few people have said to me since I've, I kind of, when they come on my podcast, it was the first time, first time they've done one and and I've kind of inspired them to start it. And there's some of, a lot of people have actually started their podcast through um, through talking to me. So um, what would you say to people? What would you say to somebody before we, before we um, wrap this up? What would you say to somebody who may be struggling, who may be struggling mentally, who um, may be going through injustice or whatever it may be, you know, whatever, whatever part of the world, sitting on a bench now and, and got their heads in their hand or whatever what would you say to somebody who's who may be struggling with um you know with epilepsy or abuse what would you say to them i would say from my spot because i'm um, leaving michael mike he was abusive my action from where i'm sitting at right now and having my days because he was my main source of income so that also kept me for a long time that one thing somebody said to me that really caught me lately is don't make life harder than it has to be. So what that meant to me with regards to my current situation is don't fight with Michael. There's no point. Wake up every day and be happy. And when Michael comes and he wants to deal with things, then I'll deal with them. But I'm not arguing with anybody and making my life harder than it has to be. And that I always like just remember you always wake up there's always a new day and you can't say that your new day is going to be worse than the last one unless you're there and then you wake up again you know so i would just say like you know smile get some heat on your face get a hug if you need a hug reach out to people that's really hard for me i never write like i've always taken care of people and myself and i've had to through all of this reach out to people and tell people like i need a hug and i'm not a hugger i don't like being touched very much um, and I've had to reach out and expect that I didn't have any money for my daughter's birthday and my ex left me high and dry and I had to accept help from my friends and that was really hard for me, you know, but you know what, like I, I accepted that help and I felt blessed to have it and then remember like there's people out there who love you. That's the thing after all these years, like I have people, I have one friend that's been my friend for 20 years now 
since the very beginning and I've had people in my life that I just like feel so blessed to have and reach out to those people Yeah. If you can, Megan. Reach out to me even. Yeah, I'm always there for people too. That's why I say in all the podcasts, like I'm, my Instagram is there. And even if somebody just wants to talk or has questions, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a human being who is, is an empath and has had my own problems and loves to talk to people. So again, like I'm always there. So I might be far away, but you're never alone. I think, I think, Megan, you do need a voice, okay? You do. Oh, thank you. It's <laughs> you. Hello. Um, where can anybody find you? Just kind of let them know, kind of just spill, you know, kind of, you know, big yourself up. Where can yeah. they find you? So I'm in Ontario, Canada, if you want to come for a visit. No, so I am on Instagram um, at miss.megangormley. So please, again, if you ever want to reach out to me um, and you're having a hard day, please don't hesitate. Even I tell people if you just need to vent, you know, so you need somebody to hide your skeletons in your closets from halfway around the world. Like I can be that, that person for you. Um, so again, that's miss.megangormley on instagram i'm also on um the app clubhouse um megan formley i'm also on tiktok um and as tiktok is at miss dot mega m-e-g-a megan um my most used platform i would say at this point is clubhouse and instagram is the best way um to get a hold of me and, and please, please reach out. Like I said, wherever people are, I would love to hear from you. I don't want anybody to sit there feeling alone and like there's not somebody out there to talk to because I'm I'm there to listen to you. I might not get exactly what you're going through, but I'm still here to listen. And sometimes that's just all people need, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I'd like to say thank you for coming on and, and, and you know, speaking about so openly about... You, you know your life and your past life and and just things and you know and I can hear that you're you you've you know you you you're healing you've gone past that healing journey and things are going to come up and things are going to happen and then it might thingy but it might draw you back but then you you know you'll always move forward and that's that's life and then we have we have these hurdles and things knock us off our yes things do knock us off our path and then we try and get back on that horse and we get back up and we keep going so yeah let's say thank you for coming on. I have um, I have tattooed on my back. There's a poem by um, Robert Frost, and it's "The Road Not Taken," or the ro- I might be mistaken right now, but um, the road not yeah, the road not taken. And I have on my back that poem actually helped me a lot. I read music really resonated with my mental health for me growing up, and poems, poetry. Um, in that one poem. Um, one of it is about paths in the road and one says I took the one less traveled by and it's made all the difference um, and that is something I had tattooed on my back because that gave me strength I chose to be where I was this was my path and I'm on my journey I'm still on my journey Andrew yeah. and I don't know if it's going to be high grass or low grass but I'm going to take it yeah definitely and um, you know like I say your strength and your resilience and all these things that make you you know the laughter 
you say the music, the poetry, all these things are what make you and, and you know, bless you to you and your your daughter, you know. Um, well, thank you. And, no, and yeah, at the end of the day, you, you know, you, you're, you, you're going to be a, a, you know, a really strong role model for your, for your daughter. So, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate all the work you do with everyone here too. Especially you're making a difference for the children and adults and parents. And it's a really big thing to get out here and have these conversations. And again, uh, uh, I know I can be out here and do these conversations because I'm good at being vulnerable and opening up. And and that's in part, like you said, of working through. I have no regrets you know yeah. um, so I'd love to be on your show again and anything like you would like to discuss I'm, I'm always interested in having open discussions about things and, and listening to opinions and giving opinions and I just really enjoyed speaking with you Andrew thank you for having me thank you and that was men are nuts speak to you soon